This episode originally aired in 2021. You're listening to Here and Queer, a five-part documentary series created by Umbrella on Liffey Sound FM about what it's like to come to Ireland as an LGBTQ adult. I'm your host, Keen Sullivan. This is episode two. On this episode, I speak with Blaze Ferguson, who came to Ireland from Singapore to go to university inspired by their favourite TV character. Blaze shares their story of the challenges of being queer in Singapore and the importance of QSOC in Trinity College for them to find their tribe. So, without further ado, please welcome to the show, Blaze Ferguson. My name's Blaze and I use they them pronouns and I'm from Singapore. Cool, thank you for joining me today. You're from Singapore. Is your family heritage from there as well? Yeah, so my mom is from Singapore. She's of like Chinese kind of ethnic background and my dad is from Scotland. Okay. So uh, I'm half and half basically. How long were you living there before you came to Ireland? So I actually spent my first two years in Burma, but outside of coming to college in first year, I basically spent the rest of my time here in Singapore. I grew up here and spent most of the most most of my life here. Paint a picture. What's it looked like you growing up there? Was it rural? Was it urban? You know, what were sort of the hobbies you had? Okay, so yeah, Singapore is very urban. It's super developed, very densely populated. Um, and uh, growing up, I so I I have one younger sibling who's six years younger than me. And uh, growing up, I um, took ballet for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of my hobbies as a kid. I I. T- Tried it out once because, you know, every five-year-old wants to do ballet or every five-year-old AFAB person wants to do ballet. And my mom kind of forced me to keep going with it for, for about like seven or so years. And then I uh, promptly quit and joined uh, a karate class and then got a black belt. And uh, yeah, that's that, that's pretty much it for the extent of, of kind of hobbies when I was like younger. Uh, and then now I mostly play video games. I play the guitar sometimes. Uh, yeah. I imagine... Ballet and karate are similar in a way, isn't it? It must be a lot about sort of your poise and your body control, right? It's super structured. So in karate, we don't do much sparring, or at least we we didn't in the kind of dojo that I was in. It was mostly kind of it was this thing called kata. It's basically kind of a sequence. It's 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 like a dance. Basically, you memorize the moves, and if you are able to like during the so-called exam, you basically just do the sequence of moves, and they give you like another stripe on your belt or they upgrade you to the, to the next belt and ballet was kind of the same way you do your recital and you remember the dance and once you do it that's it you move on to the next stage so they're very very similar in in, in that way actually yeah no that's interesting and I actually always feel I should have done some sort of ballet or karate because I have rubbish posture and my sister did ballet and she always had the best posture so I was always really jealous of her I think that my I mean my posture is terrible okay. now um <laughs> but it, it it no it it used to be good you know I, I used to always be like at, at all times you always you know are like tensing your abs just you know I actually had abs when I was a kid uh I was very fond of the the monkey bars as well I used to like go down to the playground a lot and stuff so I I was super fit as a as a kid but uh that stopped when I discovered video games okay (laughs) yeah I suppose that that makes sense um and were you raised like religiously in Singapore yeah so my parents are uh, Roman Catholic and they still are super super religious they've kind of loosened up on on their views about the um 
LGBT community. We'll get to that mm. later, I'm sure. But uh, I was raised really, really religious. Like I had to like, yeah, go to mass every Sunday and on feast days and everything. Did catechism from the time I was like six and did it all the way, you know, did my first communion and then got confirmed and everything. So we- basically went all the way to the, the end of the progression when I was maybe like 17, 18. And then uh, once I came to college, my parents kind of finally let me stop going to church because I've never kind of subscribed to the faith mm. although they're very very devout uh practice they, sorry in, in their practice so um there's a bit of a conflict there but yes my parents super super religious and is that typical for Singapore so Singapore is super multiracial and as a result there's a whole blend of religions here so stuff like uh, Hinduism is popular there's a lot of people that are Buddhists as well and Taoists there's a lot of um people that are Catholics and a lot of Christians, there's a lot of different Christian denominations here, actually, you know, like there's a big Anglican church here uh, and there are several kind of more like new age Christian kind of churches. I'm not quite sure how to explain them and stuff, but no, Singapore. And, and there's a lot of people that are like agnostic or atheist. There's not one dominant religion, I would say, because, because, and, you know, obviously there's um, Islam as well. There's just so many different people from different backgrounds in Singapore that that there's no kind of one that rules them all. There are specifically like kind of like so-called convent schools. I went to to one growing up and stuff. There are schools that do have some sort of religious affiliation, but it doesn't make that big of a difference, I okay. would say. Uh, pretty much just, yeah, there are like Catholic schools uh, and then just everything else. But, but you could go to a school of like a different faith and it would be, you, you know what I mean? It's It, it wasn't that nothing was really enforced there for example like if like I went to a convent school and you know if you were like Catholic or Christian or whatever you go to mass whenever they hold it but anyone that was of a different faith wasn't required to do that they didn't kind of force it onto you mm. but yeah I know especially in Ireland the divide was was pretty big and uh you could pretty much like know what someone's religion was if you asked what school they went to yeah that's definitely the case and it does look like it's changing that that soon um so let's let's pop onto queer issues just in Singapore I suppose at the moment what was it like for you growing up and has it changed since I I only realized that I was gay when I was 13 actually I was told that I was gay um basically there was a there was a girl at like two years above me that I basically had the mess a massive crush on and I just wouldn't stop talking about her my friend who is gay was like that's gay you're gay Mm. like no one talks about a girl that much like in the way you do and I just kind of had that like oh shit kind of moment and look back and realize that I could kind of see it from from when I was a kid like I could kind of see bits of it uh, during my childhood but um that that was kind of th- yeah things are quite different now because in terms of um the kind of social climate here there's a lot more acceptance definitely Singapore is still very conservative on many fronts mm. it's not just with like LGBT issues um the biggest kind of point of contention really so so as I said the social climate's changed but politically there's not been that much of a a difference especially since um in the legal system there's this uh, article right now that's kind of the subject of a lot of discussions called 3778 it's an article in the penal code which criminalizes basically sex between men okay uh like sex between like women is not like covered under this and it's basically a kind of remnant of remnant of a, like colonial laws and stuff from when we were occupied by the british um back way back in singapore's history but uh i think relatively recently three people tried to uh, kind of re- 
repeal Article 377A and the government just said absolutely not. There's no ground for this. There's no basis and stuff. So even though technically, like, and so it criminalizes sex between men being gay or sexual orientation. Without getting too explicit, I know in some countries it's uh, like the sodomy is illegal rather than like, you know, is that explicitly or is it just any sort of sexual activity? Yeah, so it, it, it covers any any sort of sexual activity between two men, whether that's public or private and what the actual act is. Okay. It, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's it, it basically is like a, a one size fits all kind of mm. thing. But uh, but as I said, yeah, sexual identity is not actually the, like it's it's not criminalized or anything. It's specifically sex between men that's the only thing that's that's covered but uh but yeah it's been a big issue that you know a lot of yeah there's been many attempts over the years to try and repeal this especially since nowadays you know in the western media which like singapore does consume a lot of um you know homosexuality has become a lot more kind of normalized and it's coming to like kind of mainstream consciousness and a lot of people are becoming a lot more accepting so it doesn't really make sense that they would still in this current climate feel the need to criminalize it mm. if that makes sense yeah and i suppose when, when you were growing up like were there local queer out people like icons or role models yeah so um there are a few in the media i can only really think of one his name is dick lee but basically he uh he he was kind of like a personality and um like a TV personality and he came out with a bunch of kind of like parody songs about the government and stuff. He's always kind of been quite openly critical, but it wasn't until it wasn't for quite a few years that like he didn't come out for, for quite a few years. Basically we okay. didn't kind of know when he was big and everything. It was only kind of years later. I kind of heard, uh, I'd say there, there are other like the, the odd queer like celebrity or whatever in Singapore, but there aren't that, many i would i would say or maybe i just don't consume enough singaporean media because as i said we do consume a lot of western media here um but i i would say there there aren't really any kind of big like super popular kind of role models if you will okay. um, that are out but because of western media when you were growing up you kind of were more familiar with the vocabulary of being gay or lesbian or whatever because of western media yes yeah yeah pretty much and it was something that my parents had you know, being super religious, talk to me about, I actually remember a quite distinct experience. I was maybe around like seven or eight and we were walking around the mall, me and my mom, and uh, we saw a gay couple holding hands and she was like, that's, you know, they're gay. That's, that's not right. They're going to go to hell and stuff. And that was my first introduction to, to, to being gay, basically. <laughs> and um, thankfully things have changed since and my parents have become a lot more kind of accepting but there was definitely a lot of pushback like when I when I came out I basically got the whole you're going to hell kind of speech and 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 everything Um, okay well we'll get to that Uh, but first I asked if you had a a, a local song maybe you enjoyed it growing up maybe you enjoy it more recently uh, but just sort of give a flavor of some more local music that you might hear if you were in Singapore I don't really listen to much music in the kind of Singaporean scene. Mm-hmm. There was only really one band that I can think of. I think they're called the Sam Willows that got, I would say, big for for Singapore. But I don't think that many artists have kind of like broken through into like or become household names or anything. Okay. A lot of Singaporean like singers and stuff. I would say that my experience with that is pretty, pretty limited, honestly. Named uh, Alex TBH. Yeah, so there's uh, Alex TBH is actually Malaysian. He's mm. uh, he's I think he's 
gay. He's a, I think he's a gay man, and he's definitely out. But uh, I discovered some songs on like Spotify and like LGBT playlist for like Pride and stuff. Uh, and it was like Asian artists. Um, I didn't. I don't think I saw a, a kind of Singaporean version of that. I think they just kind of lumped them all together. But yeah, he's he's Malaysian, uh, Singaporean like. Um, Johor Bahru, the part of Malaysia that's closest to us, is just across the kind of it's it's literally about like 30 minutes from from where I live, so it's really close by. But he's he's the only kind of um, queer artist from I would say like this this region that I would kind of think of. I really like his song No Space. It's just kind of upbeat, and uh, I just I just really like it in terms of like I I actually didn't realize he was he was queer. If, like when I was when I first like um, listened to him kind of maybe around two years ago one of his songs just like was recommended to me by a friend but it was only when I saw it on that playlist that I realized and he has a lot of good other like good songs other than No Space but that's the one I, I like the best okay cool so not Singaporean but close by in Malaysia so this is Alex TBH and No Space Did you come out to your parents before you left Singapore to come to Ireland? Yes. So I was, it was the year I was turning 14, if I'm not wrong, uh, when I was in the eighth grade. And basically how it happened was uh, my dad was overseas. So I didn't, I didn't actually have the whole big coming out speech to him, but I was talking to my mom after dinner and we were talking about gay rights Mm. and, you know, the meme, like, like as a lesbian supporter, I basically got a little bit too enthusiastic and heated in the conversation about why gay people should have rights. And she just kind of went, oh, are you gay? And I think she, I, I don't I don't know if she really was, she meant to seriously ask that, but I just went, yeah, yeah, I am. And I, in my mind, because as I said, I, I kind of so-called realized I was gay when I was 13, like towards the latter end of the year, it was actually a Catholic camp uh, at my school. They won't be putting that on the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely not so that was around uh like my birthday's in october so it was around october when i was 13 that i that i realized i was gay and it was around the same time ish i would say the, the the year after that i came out to my mom but i for the longest time because i you know grew up in an environment where my parents were so openly critical of you know queer people i fully never intended to tell my parents that at, at that age i just thought that i would just hide it forever and okay. as i said i wasn't planning on coming out the conversation kind of like i just got asked the question point blank and i didn't want to to, to lie so um her response to that was was not great as i said got the whole you know you're going to hell speech and she was crying and everything and uh, my dad like called me and basically shouted at me and then they kind of just pretended that it didn't happen mm. for the next like year or two until um basically like moving to like how it was at school I at the time came out to a few friends when I was 13 but uh, by the time I was 14 the word had kind of spread around and I kind of got outed I would say and I kind of had to embrace that basically there was no going back into the closet so Mm -hmm. that actually helped me a lot I, I became a bit like I wouldn't say obnoxious, but I was very, I really leaned into like my identity. I identify as a non-binary lesbian, but at the time just a cis lesbian. And I kind of really leaned into that and had to embrace the label because everyone knew I, I like, I had to combat the kind of internal self-loathing and internalized homophobia from like my Mm. upbringing and everything. But through that, um, and I was the only out gay kid at my school, basically 
from the time I joined like at 13 to when I left at 18. So it was a bit, it was a bit rough. Um, I did get, you know, some comments, some like ostracization, but like physical bullying was not a big problem in my school and in a lot of schools as well in Singapore. So that was, I never got so-called explicitly bullied for, for being queer. But um, yeah, I, I leaned into that a lot and it just kind of, it eventually led to me, for the most part, kind of accepting and becoming more comfortable in my identity by the time I kind of left school. You said there there wasn't any sort of bullying. Well, definitely not physical. But yes. when, when people were outing you, was it in a like, oh, you know, you know, Blaze is gay? Or was it more like sneering, oh, weird person over there with a different sexuality? You know, that sort of way. I would say the reactions were definitely very mixed. Okay. I, I can't think of a single time that someone actually said anything like someone my age actually said anything to my face about it it was just I I don't know how to explain it because I went to international school I went to weirdly a Catholic international school it was very strange and there was a there was a large like amount of like local students in there which is quite unusual for for international schools but basically when you say international school you mean like the students were from all over the world yes so so the basically yeah as I said my my school there there are, there are about two other schools like that that are that, that have a lot of local students as well they accept both whereas a lot of international schools only accept kind of students from from abroad but uh, a lot of the teachers were a lot of them were English specifically um, but yeah there are a lot of international teachers and stuff and we did uh, the international GCSEs instead of like what okay. they have O levels here and we did uh, the IB program the international baccalaureate instead of A okay. levels um, but yeah so it was it was definitely more liberal than despite the whole like Catholic thing, it was a lot more liberal than than like local schools, but there was still an air of conservatism there. And the reactions were very mixed. Like some people had absolutely no problem with it and saw it as a non-issue, especially for the time, because that would have been, gosh, how many years ago would that have been? Maybe like nine years ago. Okay. Um, would have, you know, it wouldn't have been as widely accepted and everything the way it is for the most part now, and I'd say in the media and stuff um, here. And um, it was interesting seeing... You know, some some people definitely were were very openly supportive and everything. I remember the one time I got a comment in school was actually from uh, one of my math teachers, and these kids that I barely even spoke to kind of stood up for me, and they were like, "You can't just say that, like, you know what I mean? Like that's homophobic. Like, mm. stop." Um, but outside of that, yeah, there were definitely some. I know some people kind of made comments about it behind my back. Like, I definitely heard from people, but it, it was kind of there was an air of curiosity to it because it was I was like kind of the only one, if that makes sense, and it wasn't mm. such a like a common occurrence at the time, like like no one else was out, like it wasn't that talked about in the media and everything. So a lot of people approached it with kind of hesitation rather than outright hate. You've spun a positive out of that. That's good. That's yeah, good yeah. No, it, it could have been a, a lot worse. I, I, I would say I feel like the majority of the kind of issue was just from my family, if that made sense. Okay. Uh, that was kind of where more of the pressure was coming from rather than people at school. Okay. And so that was the sort of step one, which was lesbian how did the next step of non-binary come and how did your parents react to that okay so basically it was when I was around 15 or so I was watching about I I don't know how I was watching a lot of like queer youtubers and stuff and I came across this one uh, trans guy Emery Quincy's videos and I I watched them and part of it just kind of resonated with me but I very quickly shelved the idea I was like oh no but you know like I don't want to be a guy I just I was never really girly. I was always a massive tomboy, like even during the whole ballet phase. Um, but I just thought, you know, that that label isn't quite right. I know there's there's something there, but 
I don't know. So I just said, figured, okay, maybe I'm just, you know, just a tomboy or whatever. Um, and then in first year of college, I heard about the label. Like I, I'd never heard the like the word or whatever, um, like our phrase non-binary before. I had no idea what it meant. And basically a friend kind of came up to me as, as non-binary and had to kind of explain what that meant, what that felt like. And I just went, I think that's me it just resonated with me mm. in a way that, that, you know, say being a trans guy, I never did. And I never felt like I, I did looking back experience of like dysphoria when I was younger. Okay. Uh, um, and so that was, yeah, that was around um, first year, I would say near enough the beginning, maybe around Christmas break. And then um, <clears throat> I cut my hair not long after that. I cut my hair short. I'd always had like long hair growing up. Right. I, yeah, I started going by they, them pronouns. And then I uh, started going by the name I do now. And I would say I came out to my parents last summer, basically. I, I actually, I think I came out to my mom earlier on the phone during Christmas break of second year, but she must have just forgotten about it or something. Okay. Just a strange thing to say, but she just, she was like, no, you've never said this before. And I was like, yes, I did. I remember. But uh, they were quite upset about it, honestly. And they were like, oh, you're just doing this to hurt us and stuff. And I was like, I'm really not. This has nothing to do with you. But uh, they realized kind of after a lot of quite emotional conversations, they realized how kind of upset I was about the fact that they that they weren't being accepting over the course of the, the few months of, of the break, they warmed up to the idea a lot and eventually were like, okay, you know what? Like, we're going to pay for you to go get your name changed. Like, we'll go do the deed poll and everything. So they went through the whole journey in quite a short, like in a, in a short accelerated uh, timeline. But now they're, they're pretty supportive. They do misgender me a lot, but I don't think that they mean it. Like, or they're not doing it in malice now. Mm. But uh, like... But the whole like lesbian thing, they've come to terms with like a lot more, especially since I've gone to college and everything. Because if I'm not wrong, like generally your relationship with your parents improves a lot once you stop, you know, spending so much time with them. Um, but yeah, so so now my mom and like my dad, they've told some of their friends and stuff and, and uh, you know, are actually a lot more supportive. I wouldn't say behind my back, but, you know, to their friends and stuff than they are to explicitly to me, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, because homosexuality is spoken about a lot regardless of whether it's like homosexuality is good homosexuality is bad but gender recognition doesn't get the same amount of positive or negative press so it can be still difficult for people to get their head around what non-binary yeah, means exactly. and having to it's change pronouns yeah so mm -hmm. that can be a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a surprise to people yeah exactly like there's a lot of educating involved i find and even you know when i first heard the label like my friend was explaining what it what it meant to to me and everything i'd never heard it before and uh, i know that obviously with visibility in the media that's that's kind of improving just recognition even like not not i don't know if we're acceptance yet wouldn't quite say that but yeah a lot of people just don't don't know about it, don't think about it, kind of take that for for granted they take mm. gender kind of for granted yeah so anyway so that, that was your transition I suppose in, in, as to becoming who you are what made you decide to leave Singapore slash come to Ireland honestly it was just the fact that I thought everyone here was a bit too conservative uh I just people in Ireland seem to be quite friendly I actually had never been to Ireland before I decided to go to to, to Trinity what happened was uh I was really really into Supergirl at one point in the show. I don't okay. know if you've seen it, but no. uh, there's this actress, Katie Katie McGraw, who went to Trinity. She's actually in the Hosiers from Eden music video, if oh, you've okay. seen that. Yes. Yeah. But basically, I kind of went through the whole, like, 
um, you know, geeking out about like actors and stuff from TV show thing that a lot of like queer youth do. And I um, like a university rep from Trinity came to came to my school. And I that was around the same time that I was just like obsessed with Katie McGraw. And I knew that she went there and um just the way it worked out with with my my grades and stuff trinity was a lot better with uh accepting like ib grades because um the conversion is quite unforgiving when it comes to uh, a levels and so schools in the uk were uh, like ireland seemed a lot more appealing to me mm-hmm. and uh so i i came to ireland just purely off the basis that i heard about it because katie mcgraw went there and um and it yeah, it just the, the rep came, the timing was just kind of right. And I wasn't particularly attached to, to Singapore. I felt like the environment socially was just a bit stifling. And um, I, I haven't looked back, honestly. Like, I definitely do have some complaints with, with Trinity and the admin system and everything. But I don't regret coming for the fact that I've met so many really great people. And, um, and yeah, just I've really found like kind of more widespread acceptance in terms of my my identity in Ireland I feel a lot more comfortable but I just I know that that's definitely not the case for everyone sure okay well we'll get into a bit more about Ireland in a bit but first uh, I asked you to choose a song by a queer artist that speaks to you and uh, what did you choose feelings by Hayley Kiyoko basically I saw Hayley Kiyoko uh at the uh, Olympia in Dublin and it was it was a really great show um just the the like queer population in the audience was just like we were we definitely outnumbered um the the cishet people there but uh i don't know it's just a song that i i just really i really liked i was just listening to it at a particular time where it kind of resonated with me but i just think it's a really great song and i've been following Haley kyoko for years now since her first ep mm-hmm. so um yeah i just thought it was it, yeah it's a cool song and it, it definitely reminds me of like good times in in dublin nice okay so let's have a listen to it this is feelings by Haley kyoko Once you came to Ireland, you were going to Trinity. How did you settle in, and, and as was life as you had expected? Like, did you see Katie McGrath out in the streets? <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't. She's pretty much been in Vancouver filming like, oh, the damn. entire time I was there, which is so so unfortunate. No, genuinely, I was absolutely gutted. But uh, so I, as an international student, I moved into to halls, Trinity Hall, and um, I made quite a few queer friends there, and uh, that was great. And you know it takes friends to make friends. So making friends, I just kind of piggybacked off of that and mm. like my social circle grew and everything. And I, I actually had a really great time in, in first year in halls. A lot of people are really accepting. There are a lot of people from quite varied backgrounds as well. And uh, I definitely kind of found my place what there. What year are you in now? I'm going into final year. Final is fourth year. Is yeah, it? yeah, fourth gotcha. year. Okay, good. Yes. So you came to Ireland in like 2015 2016 so is that right i can't do math i'm gay <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically uh i've gone through three years of school before oh i i actually this is gonna sound terrible i i, I couldn't tell you uh i'd say maybe 2017 sounds right or okay 
let's see let's see 2017 Wait, we don't have to be exact that sort of ballpark yes. <laughs> but yeah yeah basically i've 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 spent like three three years in ireland so far going into gotcha. into my fourth but uh yeah no i i think qsoc trinity's lgbt society was a really really big part of like so before I, I I went to Trinity, I was super you know over enthusiastic. Was looking up like stuff about the school societies and stuff, and I saw QSOC, and like from the second I saw on like the the Central Societies Committee's website, I just knew that I I wanted to join. And actually, uh, some of the people that were on committee at the time told me, you know, I just walked up there and I was, and they were like, oh, do you want to hear about QSOC? And I just said, no, just take my money, like I want to join. And I like promptly went to like every single event that they 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 held basically for the whole of my first year and made so many great friends. Ended up going on committee for a year and a half after that uh, as the webmaster but QSOC was a really big part of that because I'm I just it was just a I'd never had a queer space in Singapore like I definitely had a, a couple of friends here and there who were queer not out most of them um, so that it's kind of it, it's just not the same and there aren't as many queer spaces in in Singapore um and I definitely know that there's some say um like nonprofits and stuff that provide you know support for LGBT uh, individuals and there's some social spaces but QSOC was just uh just a super welcoming environment community and it was you know most people there are queer but it wasn't a lot of events weren't necessarily about being queer they're just nice social events and stuff and it was really great to just kind of see queer people being people if that made sense um it kind of because as I said I was quite you know enthusiastic about my identity partly as a as a way to kind of like learn to come and accept myself but QSOC kind of really just normalized that for me and uh and I feel like that was a really integral part of why I felt like I I was so welcomed and stuff I had mm. a really good experience with in halls with people uh, a lot of queer people there and and with QSOC I would say definitely those are like very like th- those those were what kind of made my made my year and made adjusting to Ireland so easy because I made so many friends through that which I still have to this day okay and, and so obviously you've had well I don't know what words in your mouth is it fair to say then that you've had a quite a positive experience with the LGBTQ community in Ireland even just outside of the bastion of Trinity yeah so I went to a purple training in my first year oh, yeah. and um, yeah I went to pink training the year after and stuff and no yeah I, 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 I don't... do you want to explain what purple and pink training are just for people who don't okay know? yeah so so Purple training, we went to, I think it's organized by Maynooth University, but basically it's, um, I think it's maybe two two days um, of kind of workshops and stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, basically people from different schools, they, they send a kind of delegation there and it's workshops primarily centering around kind of gender and pink training is a bigger version, I think, um, it's hosted in a different school every year, but mm. the, it's run by the USI, I think the Union of Students in Ireland, and uh, that's why UCD people don't go because they're not in they're not in USI. But uh, pink training is more about it. It is definitely uh, it's a lot bigger and it's more more varied in content. But but pink training, I would say, is like more sexuality, and purple training is definitely more geared towards gender okay. specifically. Mm. So they're, they're like kind of like sleepaway like workshop type camps if that makes sense and there's definitely a social element but yeah no meeting like lots of people from both like that go to school both in and outside of Dublin and stuff I I, yeah actually I have made a few friends I that I still talk to on and off um but no I I'd say yeah overall it's a really good experience especially since you know when you turn up there you're already you you already have something in common identity wise and that breaks down the barrier sometimes of trying to make friends Mm. where you have to find what you know something that you have in common uh yeah I've had a I've had a really positive uh 
yeah, I've had, I've had a really positive experience overall in Ireland. I think I've only heard, like, in terms of just being in Ireland in general, I know that, you know, hate crime is a problem for some, for, for like, certain people. I have never experienced anything anything myself, but I just want to kind of plug. Um, so my friend Thomas O'Neill, he was the LGBT rights officer yeah. uh, at Trinity just this last year. And uh, he actually has a petition. Um, it's called Implement a Hate Crime Legislation in Ireland on like change.org, basically because Ireland doesn't have a proper hate crime hate crime legislation. And yeah. because of that, it makes... And, and I definitely know friends personally and friends of friends that have been, you know, had stuff thrown at them on the streets, like, you know, egged, being egged and like had food or rocks or whatever thrown at them. Definitely some more serious cases of, you know, assault and everything just based off of their like gender mm. or, or sexual orientation. So that's, I know that even though my experience has been really positive in Ireland, definitely some people have not had that same kind of good fortune. If you were to suggest what we as Irish people and what the Irish government could do better, what would you suggest? I would say starting there would be a good idea, implementing a hate crime legislation, because I know that, you know, everyone, uh, like we've decriminalized, like I guess homosexuality has been decriminalized and um, marriage equality is something that we have in Ireland now. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, we really have to clamp down on 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 hate crime and and introduce proper legislation and make sure that there are, you know consequences and people people can walk on the streets without you know what I mean fearing for fearing for their the life safety. Or fearing for their yeah. their safety mm. it's it's a really big issue and I feel like beyond beyond acceptance in terms of like the social aspect of it um, I feel like this is just a really important issue that has to be addressed it's I think it's a human rights issue and I would definitely say that more pressure needs to be put on the Irish government to to introduce proper legislation and to make sure that people like queer people are equal just in terms of whether they're able to yeah feel safe just walking around and, and everything. If you had a partner would you feel comfortable in Ireland sort of showing a public display of affection? Yeah so I do have a, a girlfriend we've been dating for like a year and a half now and I would say definitely at first I was I was quite how do I put this I'm quite aware of where we are okay. in terms of how comfortable I am. There are some some areas in Dublin that I definitely would feel a little less safe in, and generally those areas I would I would kind of you know take a couple steps away. And like in Trinity, I have absolutely no problem at all. And generally around that the area in, in on on that side of Dublin, yeah. I wouldn't feel any problem. I definitely you know we get looks and stuff and a couple like words thrown our way, but absolutely nothing uh, that's nothing nothing that serious i would say it's definitely a, a, a much bigger issue for for other people like um <clears throat> i have a friend who was walking with their partner in uh, bram stoker park and they just got stones thrown at them by a bunch of teenage boys and stuff so i definitely yeah. know that some some areas are kind of better than than others in that sense but i, I would say that the answer to that is literally it just depends sure. on, on where i am Constantly certain areas they just assessing your needs and your your environment yeah exactly yeah mm. you just have to kind of read the the room so to speak mm. cool well wait thank you so much for, for chatting we're going to finish the chat with uh, a song by an irish artist that you kind of associate with your time here yeah so i think it, i picked a work song by hosier if i'm not wrong yes i hosier is another artist that i saw at the olympia fantastic show would 100 percent recommend he's even better alive than he is you know in the in the studio but uh yeah that's just just one of my songs that some one of the songs that i really like from hosier who i was listening to a lot in like first year and second year it's just a really great irish artist cool well look best of luck now with your final year of college best of luck for your hunt of katie mcgrath <laughs> thank you so much and thanks for having me Boys working on empty. is that the kind of way to face the burning heat 
Thank you to Blaze for coming on and telling their story and for choosing that wonderful music. I'll be back with you next week with a really, really special character. Their name is Amir. They are a cabaret performer from Palestine and they have a gripping story to tell. So I'll meet you back here at 9 to 10 every Wednesday on Liffey Sound. Have a good week. Thank you.